Welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast. We are going to preview the New York Mets offseason, but we are previewing the New York Mets offseason now knowing that ding-dong, the Wilpons are gone. Ding-dong, Uncle Stevie Cohen and his beautiful money has arrived. So this, unlike any other Mets offseason preview podcast, is going to come with a very different tone. It's going to come with a Yankee-esque tone. It's going to come with an arrogant tone. It's going to come with a let's spend money on this, let's spend money on that. No more cheapo at this edition of the New York Mets offseason preview. And I'm honored to be joined by the Mets text chat that I will refer to on the air sometimes. Uh, Ryan McGee, also known as Adam Eaton, longtime New York Mets fan. Fantasy Phil, longtime New York Mets fan. Fellas, first of all, let's congratulate each other. Stevie Cohen now owns the New York Mets. Phil, how does it feel? I just want to say congratulations to you both. We deserve this more than anybody. I don't want to hear anything from any other fan base, how we're overreacting. Nobody can feel what we felt for the last, you know, 30 years almost. And just congratulations to us. There's no one who deserves this more than us. And this is the beginning of the rest of our Mets lives. <laughs> How are you, Ryan? I mean, this this was emotional for me the other day. Was it emotional for you? Yeah, it was. It was a high all day. My wife's like, "What is going on?" I'm running around the house, going nuts, refreshing Twitter, texting you guys, texting my other Mets fans. I, I my buddy and I popped a bottle of champagne. We even <laughs> met today on Halloween for uh, some drinks, some celebratory more drinks. Um, something that I think we all wanted and dreamed of but probably never realistically thought it would actually come to this um and the way that it fell to who it fell to i think it was wilder than we ever could have dreamt that, that's the crazy thing about this when i would dream about the will pond selling the mets and really i've always dreamt about it but really the madoff scandal is what pushed us all to gotta get rid of this team they can't afford this team they're running it like a small to mid-market team I always, in the back of my mind, thought, great, they could sell the team. Who knows who's going to buy it? I mean, we have no idea who's going to buy the team. It doesn't mean it's going to be somebody even better than the Wilpons. We assumed it would be better than the Wilpons, but we didn't know for sure. The fact that this team not only was sold, but was sold to a freaking billionaire who loves the Mets, who buys artwork worth more than all of our lives combined times 55, it's it's a fantasy. And, you know, you're right, Phil, you hit on something. Other fan bases, and I, I respect that the Pittsburgh Pirates don't spend a lot of money. There's a lot of teams out there that don't spend a lot of money. But we have been in a worse situation than them because we've been teased, okay? We've been a big market team. We've had those moments of buying Beltron and buying Pedro. But over the last decade, that tease has been taken away from us because of the Madoff situation, the Wilpons getting in bed with them. And we share a city with the Yankees. The Pirates don't share anything with anybody, all right? I mean, yeah, they share a city with the Steelers, but it's a different sport. So I don't think other baseball fans understand, truly understand the anguish that we've gone through in not only dealing with this inept ownership group, and they're inept. I mean, forget the money. Even outside of the money, Jeff Wilpon being as hands-on as he was was inept. We had to glare to our beautiful, hot neighbors, the New York Yankees. We had to stare at them with their cleavage hanging out, looking so muscular. I'm using all 
uh, genders, you know, no matter what you're into. I mean, whether it's this sexy man who's got muscles all over the place, whether it's a beautiful, it doesn't matter. That was what the Yankees were. Now we get to be that. So this is an incredible moment as a Met fan, and I'm very, very excited, especially because now we get to fantasize about big-time players. So let's get right to it. All right, let's talk right about, let's get right to the crux of this thing. I want to start with the free agents that are out there. And there are a lot of other options because I think this is going to be a really different kind of offseason when it comes to elite players being available. Of the big three free agents that are out there, George Springer, JT Riamuto, Trevor Bauer, do you have a preference and what would be your ranking orders? Now, we we could say get all three. I understand that. You We could all just say that. If we are, you know, kind of make it a ranking system, like a fantasy baseball draft, how would you rank the three, Ryan? I'll start off with you. All right. Yeah, I'm going to start off with uh, George Springer being number one. I think for many years we've wanted, needed a center fielder, and I understand he's on the, the side where the decline is going to start probably defensively a little bit, where he might not over a length of a contract, say four or five years, towards the tail end, you might have to think about sliding, hopefully not, slide him out of center field. But I think it does a lot of things. I think it solidifies a leadoff spot for him, a right-handed uh, on top of Alonzo, a right-handed power bat, which, you know, they're heavily left-handed, you know, in the middle of the order for them. Um so I definitely go with him first. Bauer would be my two. Um, I don't think, honestly, I don't think he would mesh, mesh well in New York. But out of the three, I, I think his quirkiness and everything, I think if things go sour a little bit, I, him and the media could be a disaster. So I'd be worried about signing him for multiple years. And Real Muto, I think last year we were all in on him, or two years ago, whenever it was. Um but I think with the report come out, if true, that he's not keen on playing here with his hip, I think it, that more and more I read about it and think about it, that's a recipe that could be a disaster, uh, especially with the contract demands that he's asking for. I'm very surprised because I've interpreted the way you've texted in our text chain over the last year that you're a real Mudo guy, that that I was. was your priority. So. I was, but I want guys that want to be here. Now we have the option. Before mm. we didn't have the option. Like now we have, like before we were going to offer what somebody would, would take. Like now Cohen could go, I would assume, could go get whoever he wants. Listen, I'm going to offer you enough money where you can't decline it. Your agent, the players, the union is not going to let you decline this. Then, I don't want somebody that doesn't want to be here though. But, but wait a second, wait a second. Don't you remember CC Sabathia when the Yankees signed him? It, every report said the guy doesn't want to be here. He wants to stay in California or go to California because he was from there. And the Yankees offered him a ton of money. And CC Sabathia finally said, fine, I'll take it. You know, whatever. I'll, I got to take the money. And then he fell in love with New York. You know, I don't think Mike Piazza wanted to be which, here at first when that's traded for him. Which I think will happen. I think once people are here... Like I said, there was so much to do. The city's awesome. They're going to fall in love with it, right? I think it's hard not to if you, the more and more time you spend here. But you add that unwillingness maybe to want to be here on top of hip, later side of 30, wanting probably a, between a five and a six-year deal as a catcher. You add them all together. I don't know if that's the best way, best that's investment fine. to go with. Well, I, I get that part. Phil, how would you rank them? So I think this is definitely something that we've all bounced around on for the last year or so on who exactly we want. We were all always gung-ho about JT Realmuto. And I think, honestly, he's the, of the three, he's probably the best fit of what we what the Mets need. Um, because, you know, having to watch Wilson Ramos the last two years, 
pound the ball into the ground every single at bat and not be able to move behind the plate has just been nauseating. So I think Rio Muto is the best fit. However, I think I've come around more to the side like Ryan where I think that you could probably get the best value out of George Springer because given his he's 31, if I think next year is going to be he's going to play the whole year at age 31. I'm not sure he he'll demand like six, seven year deal, which is something that, you know, is in the realm of possibility for Rio Muto and being a catcher who's also 30, that probably won't trend well and he'll probably get a higher total value in his contract. So I think working with someone like Springer can kind of also fill a big hole in center field. He proved to be immensely clutch in this past offseason. He's a Northeast guy. By all accounts, he'd probably want to come come home to play. You heard the rumors that he doesn't really... Something's going on with him in Houston where he's not really keen on going back there. So I think of the three, that's the guy I think I, I would make a push for. Also, the fact that there's a couple other catching options that I think that can be just as good. Not Obviously not as good as Real Muto, but a significant upgrade over what we've been that we can kind of allocate resources to fill other holes elsewhere. Yeah, I... I'm kind of surprised that both of you have come around to Springer being the number one option. And the one thing I would eliminate right now, because it's a pure speculation on all of our parts is, well, who's going to get the most value of the three guys? Because we are headed towards an offseason we've never seen before. I don't know how many teams are really going to be aggressively spending. And it's just such an unknown. I mean, I have no idea of the three guys Who's going to be the best value? You know, on the surface, you think, oh, Bauer's going to do better than anyone because he's going to win the National League Cy Young. But I don't know. I mean, Trevor Bauer had far and away the best year of his career. It doesn't guarantee that some team is going to give him a five- or six-year deal. So I take the value aspect, and I kind of put it to the side. And I look at this roster, and I look at this team, and I look at next year's free agency. I factor that in, too. And I say, of those three guys – who is it going to be tougher to find a guy similar to down the road? That's why all roads lead to Trevor Bauer. All roads lead to him being the number one guy. A couple of things. Zach Wheeler, <laughs> yes, and Patrick Corbin are similar in that teams had to decide what are we getting them to do next? Not what have they done in their careers, but what are they going to do over the next four or five years? And I think so far, I know it's, a small sample size with Wheeler. It's just this weird 2020 season. Both guys have proven the best is yet to come compared to what they had done previously in their career. I bank on that with Trevor Bauer. I bank on the fact that maybe he's not going to match what he did in this short sample size of 2020, but I think he is going to be a consistently good pitcher. I don't think he's going to be the up and down guy he was. And I'm banking on that. I mean, that's the risk you take, I guess, when you head to free agency. But the Met pitching last year sucked. Okay. If you look at this roster, tell me how it's not going to suck in 2021. Noah Syndergaard is coming off Tommy freaking John surgery. David Peterson was great. I, I can't write him down in permanent ink and say, oh, no worries. He'll be fine. He had a tremendous rookie season. It was a small sample size. There's going to be a book on him. I'm excited about him, but I'm certainly not putting him in as my number two guy. I don't know about Marcus Stroman. We'll get to him later. Uh, Rick Porcello, give me a freaking break. Michael Walker, give me a freaking break. They need pitching. They need pitching. And, and so while we're while on pitching, Seth Lugo. Seth, I'm sorry. Seth, if you're going to touch on him, Seth Lugo. Back don't to change the, the subject. Don't change the subject. All right? We'll get to that, too. Trust me. 
And if you look at next year's free agency, there are position players up the ass. All right. There are guys everywhere. Shorts. I mean, the shortstop list is ridiculous. And so while I respect and, and understand the need for this team to have a real center fielder, it's something I've complained about for a while. They haven't had a real center fielder since Beltron. Let's be perfectly honest. I just think, how else are they going to fix this rotation? whether it's this year or even next year. And again, if you look at next year's free agency, when it comes to starting pitching, the most appealing guy in free agency, the fellow by the name of Noah Syndergaard. He's ours. So our to me is a clear number one. Now, number two is George Springer for all the reasons you gave, and I have the same issues about JT Romano. So I'm not going to repeat it because I agree with you. But I want to get to who said it, Ryan, that Bauer is not going to mesh in a locker room? No, 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 not, not, not with the players because all accounts, the players love him. But Bauer, I don't know. I watch. I watch his podcast. I followed him from the baseball industry. He's into the drive line and all the biometric stuff. He's a very okay. out there dude, and to say it nicely, like he's very quirky. He's got very strong beliefs on certain things, like in the baseball scientific world, not anything else. Um, so I think he's very outspoken, and I, I just think to make a long term commitment in New York, he. I, I think it if it doesn't go. According to plan, him and the media could be a perfect storm to just now in two years from now saying this guy's got to get out of here. Now, I think I 100% agree with you talent-wise. If you watch his career and you watch his development, he's ascending, right? He's going up. He's going to be the best is yet to come, I truly believe, for him. I just don't see him in New York being working well to be in a perfect marriage. And not with the team oh. outside New York, like the, the media, the culture, everything. But two things. So I don't know what the Mets are going to look like from a strategic standpoint when it comes to all the things you discussed. Like, I don't know. I mean, Sandy Alderson's taken over, but it also looks like Sandy is kind of delegate a lot of stuff. So they could be lockstep in what Trevor Bauer's thinking. I've always believed this and tell me if I'm wrong. You let the player be the player. If the player believes in a lot of things, I wouldn't step on them just because the organization thinks differently. I think it was one of the mistakes the Yankees actually made with Sonny Gray, where they didn't let Sonny Gray pitch the way he wanted to pitch. Let's be honest. And Sonny Gray was him and Bauer along the same beliefs, philosophy wise, with with pitching, and that's why they're so close out there in Cincy, and why Bauer, you know, was in Cincy uh, after he got traded and stayed. Um, but you read everything; the Mets are behind. Right, the Mets in this aspect yeah. were, are so far behind it now. Cohen could come in, and with this where money, hey, he could buy the best people available to come in and quickly get the Mets up to speed, technology-wise, philosophy-wise, on where baseball's going. I just don't know if they're going to be there. Where Bauer, who repeatedly said he's willing to take one-year deals, willing to go to Japan. Now, this all smokescreen, probably, you know, just to be out there and in, you know, catching headlines. But I just don't know if the Mets are going to be there where they would realistically be a fit for what he's looking for. What's really interesting about Bauer is you brought it up. He's mentioned in the past taking one-year deals. I wonder, considering the year he's coming off of, considering the market being as depressed as it is, if it actually does make sense for Trevor Bauer to take a one-year deal where he could get a team, maybe it's the Mets, maybe it's the Padres, whoever it is, to pay him a ridiculous amount of money for one year. I'm not talking like one year 25. I'm talking... $3 million for one year. Yeah, something crazy like that where Trevor says, hey, I cash in on my great year, but I'm not going to get you know the six or seven-year deal that I envisioned. 
So I'm going to bank on myself. I'm going to have another big year. There's going to be a brand new CBA for 2022. And if that happens, then I, I think you'd all agree it's a no-brainer. I mean, yeah. even if it is a crazy amount, like $45 million on a one-year deal, why the hell not? I mean, but what's here's the beauty. Money. Here's the beauty of what I'm going to say, because now this is the world we live in. I don't think it would be worth well, work well, but we're in a position where if it doesn't, Stevie Cohen washes his hands, we move on, and so be it. Where I think we have to get untrain ourselves where a bad player move isn't going to handcuff this franchise for five to six years. I'll tell you right now, if you ask me my preference, like you could get Trevor Bauer on a six-year, $150 million deal or a one-year, $45 million deal, I would take the one-year deal in a second because I would, first of all, I'd have an extra motivated Trevor Bauer to prove that last year was true. And it gives you just another year to see if this whole thing will work. I'm, I'm a big fan of one-year deals. I mean, why the, not? And it, it is only money. If it backfired, then it's, yes, it's a waste of one gigantic record-breaking contract. <laughs> Though I think Jake would be a little bit annoyed if someone just came in here and was making $10, $10 million more than him. That would be the only risk. Yeah. Oh. So, um, my idea on Bauer is doesn't really have to do with the media or anything like that. I'm not worried about that. Um, I'm just more. I, I think your six year one fifty is a little bit low. I would say he's probably more in like six one eighty, closer to two hundred, maybe even seven years. Wow. And that's something wow. that I'm. I think because what's Strasburg get? He got like seven two ten or something, right? Something like that. He's not Strasburg, but he's not Strasburg. He's not exactly. Strasburg. So I'm going to put him in like the the tier right below that, and I think he'll be closer to the two hundred million dollar mark. And sure, he was tremendous this year. He's been great, like whatever over the last like year or so, maybe. If you look outside that those numbers, his ERA is like four, five, four, four and a half. And I'm yeah, like, what, 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 which guy are we going to see over over that time? I mean, like Ryan was touching on his philosophies and pitching and all the biometrics and the uh, and the advanced stats and everything like that. Sure, he he could be kind of you know turning his career around like that now to go on an upward trajectory. Um, if that's the case, great. Uh, then I'd love to have him. Um, and as far as the Mets being behind in, you know, all that stuff, Brian, I don't know if you know this, but we are rich now. So I am not worried about that. I'm, <laughs> I am fully confident that whatever we need is going to be brought in by Steve Cohen and the Mets are going to be at the top the lottery. With, with all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. You may have, a, we may have a crappy house, but we just won the yeah, lottery. Exactly. So we're probably going to install like a, a tushy and an indoor pool mm -hmm. and God knows what else. Yeah. Um, let, let me go through what this team has right now. And I'm sure that will expand out to other ideas. You know, Ryan always comes up with creative trade ideas. One that actually happened. Uh, I think you've become famous for that. You were the <laughs> one who pitched Jonathan Neese for Neil Walker before it happened. And clearly the Mets listen. And don't, 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 short, don't short me on Keon Broxton. I had that one also. <laughs> but oh, wow. It didn't work out well for us. But... <laughs> I don't know if that's one that you want to take credit for. Hey, it's still, right. it still goes on my resume, too. This is going to be fairly quick. I want to go through all the free agents the Mets have, and we quickly say they're gone, and, oh, no, I want to bring him back. All right? So let's do this very quickly. Noena Cespedes. Gone. <laughs> gone. Yeah, I think, I think we agree. Uh, Robinson Chirinos. Gone. See ya. Yes. Todd Frazier. Gone. See ya. Eric Hughes is a free agent. He can bring him back, right? That's oh, no big deal. Oh, Eric Hughes. Jared, Jared Hughes. Jared, Eric Hughes. 
<laughs> bring him back. Whatever. We have we have a ton of money. Let him do whatever he wants. He can That's hang fine. out with we'll... Bring him back. <laughs> he could be a ball boy. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Jed Lowry. Jed uh, Lowry. Who? I'm not even gonna Who's that? Did you hear he's mad at the Mets? I didn't get, get any more detail than that, but apparently he's mad at the Mets for how they handled him. I don't know uh, what else there is. I don't know. What did the Mets handle? What were they supposed to do? I don't know, but a couple days ago, there was a story that's saying Jet Lowry's mad at the Mets. So I don't know what more to that, but. Jake Marisnik. Gone. Gone. He actually wasn't bad, by the way, when he played. I just want to point that out. Uh, Eduardo Nunez. We don't shop in these aisles anymore. So this is all. (laughs) I'm getting through the obvious ones. There'll be a few that are interesting. Jake Marisnik gone, uh, you're saying? Eduardo Nunez gone. gone. Yeah. Rick Porcello, you guys wouldn't bring back on another one you deal? I would. No. It kind of a little foreshadow. It would kind of go. He would go along the line of kind of where I'm going with pitching, so I wouldn't be opposed to it. I wouldn't be opposed to it either. By the way, I mean he wasn't great this year by any stretch, but he's just another one of those veteran arms that you know will make his start every five days, and there's a value to that. I stand by that, despite how mediocre he was this year. Uh, Erasmo Ramirez, who cares? I think would be the response. No, that's my guy, Pancho. That's my guy. I call him Pancho. That's my guy. He did well. I'll I'll find a spot for him. Okay, fine. Erasmo Ramirez may come back. Wilson Ramos gone. gone. Renee Rivera gone. Michael Waka gone, or does he gone. kind of fit in that? Hey, no, when you deal, gone. why not? He's gone. Yeah. gone. Okay. <laughs> uh, Justin Wilson. Justin Wilson was not a terrible Met the last two years. I, I, I would like to bring him back. Yeah, I, I'd be into that. It depends uh, on other things, though, that I'm sure we'll touch on I, later. Bingo. He, he's a depends guy. That's yeah. how I would put him. I'd put him on the side, depends. All right, Marcus Stroman. What do you want to do with this guy? He's barely, he's basically not a Met. He traded for him. They gave up a decent amount for him. He was disappointing at the end of 2019. But he didn't pitch in 2020. And I, I my gut reaction is, I know Beningo just says, okay, who cares about this guy? Get rid of him. Who is he? I can't give up on him just because he opted out of 2020. I just don't think that would be fair. So I I would very much consider bringing him back. I would obviously offer him uh, the ability to come back on that one-year $19 million deal. I think I think, I think, the, think. I think it's going to come out of our hands. I honestly think he's going to take the qualifying offer. Apparently, they're going to offer it to I him. He- I don't think he's getting more than $18 million a year. He didn't pitch this year. He was hurt you know, half a season with the Mets. Uh, we would talk about one-year prove-it deals. There's a one-year $18.75 million prove-it deal. Go come back, prove it, and you get $18 million a year and work out. The, you, yeah. said, you said it yourself. The starting pitching free agent market next year is so weak. He comes out and has a good year. He parlays this into a four- or five-year deal next year. Yeah, it's... I don't know why, but I I don't think he's going to accept it. Like, and I I, unless, mean, I, unless I do think the Mets should offer it for that reason because they have nothing to lose by offering it. I mean, if he accepts it, great. You have him back on a one year deal. Like we talked about, hey, it's a one year deal. Give it a try, and it's going to be a prove it deal. I could see him maybe not making eighteen million dollars, but trying to get a four or five year contract. There's a value into that in having uh, a long term deal. There is. Uh, if you think, I, I just don't know. I'm sure there's going to be some team that's going. Obviously, everyone needs pitching. But not pitching for a year, having a so-so 2019. What's he? What deal is he realistically looking at? What? What is it? What is it? Three for thirty? Three for forty-five? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Maybe. That, I, so why not? If I, I'm him, I take the eighteen million dollars, and, and he's doing all his Pilates now. If you watch him on Instagram, saying the next five years is gonna be his best years. Well, here's your opportunity to. 
come take make eighteen million dollars and and show that your your next five years are going to be your best. I'd say he's for me at least he's like strictly price tag dependent. That's really it. I mean, I wouldn't mind having him, and I wouldn't really care if he didn't have him. You know what I mean? Like I think he overall, I think he just kind of left a bad taste in people's mouth. Like he had that like weird injury where we never saw him, and then he was rehabbing, and then when it looked like he was just about ready to come back, and he was going through all the stuff at the alternate site, and the Mets were struggling with pitching. Everyone kept saying, like, when's he coming back? When's he coming back? Then out of nowhere, it was just like, oh, I'm going to not, you know, I'm going to opt out. And that's fine. He can opt out. But it just, I think it just left a bad taste in people's mouth. But again, at the same time, I think he's like, he's not, he's not an ace. He's not a one or two. He's a solid three, four starter. When he's on, you know, he's going to make, he's going to make his 28 to 30 starts. Probably pitch to a high three RA, something like that, and go from there. He need the thing is, and it was exposed during this short season, but it's not going to magically change in 2021 without moves. They don't have a lot of starting pitching depth, and it's odd that we're saying that about the Mets, but look at the reality that we live in right now. Noah Syndergaard is coming off Tommy John. Steven Matz sucks. I mean, I he'll be on the roster next year. I doubt that they would just non-tender him. I think he'll be there, but he's going to have to fight claw and do whatever to be the fifth starter maybe he's just a reliever out of the bullpen and he'd certainly be overpaid for that in the final year of his final year of arbitration eligibility he'll be a free agent at the end of next year but they don't have a lot of pitching depth so Marcus Stroman coming back on a one-year deal if he indeed accepted that I think would be great for this team because they need as many arms as possible the one thing about baseball in this era right now is to me you got to go in a spring training with like eight nine 10 starting pitching options. Now, they're all not going to be great, obviously. I mean, I can't expect the seventh and eighth guy to be, you know, middle of the rotation arms, but you want to have that depth. The Mets haven't had that. I think that's been one of the weaknesses they've had. They were able to overcome it in 2019 because they had no injuries. Their starting pitching was relatively healthy when you think about how everyone got through the year. That was not the case this year. Now, it was a weird year. It was 20, you know, 60 game season, COVID stuff. I get all that but they still don't have a lot of pitching depth. So bringing a guy like Marcus Stroman back is valuable. But while we're talking about Matt, do you agree with me that they would tender him a contract, or do you think he's one of those guys they would just say, I think you know he, what, you stink, we're going to let you go? Yeah, I think they will. I mean, that's probably the smart business thing is, hey, for what, what is it going to be, $5 million plus potentially? Uh, bring him back, you know, before their, their camp got shut down today, he was working with Guy Conti or, or who, not, not Guy Conti, uh, Phil, who was the old pitching coach, Phil Regan, is that his name? Phil Regan. Yeah. yeah so he was been working with him cause I guess he, he was big Regan. His, his career. Phil Regan. Um, so I mean for $5 million now in, in the Mets world, bring him back. Me personally, I've seen enough. I would just cut bait, but it probably Business-wise, would be smart to hey say for the price tag it's going to be bring them back, see if we can fix them, and move forward. Did you do that, Phil? Would you bring them back? I agree. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of have to because uh, what, just cutting bait with him. What what's his number for arbitration? Like five I million. Bucks I think it's five and change. He made yeah, he made I mean, five million dollars this past year, so you figure he's going to get a raise as crazy as that sounds. So you're looking at maybe seven million dollars. I don't think that's crazy. I mean, yeah, I'm, overall, I'm just sick of seeing, you know, first inning blow-ups. <laughs> oh, he was on pace to give up, like, 50 home runs or 100 home runs or something this year, and it's like, enough is enough already. He was, I, I he was 
he was as horrific as I've ever seen. I mean, he was so freaking bad this year, yeah. but I hate to admit this. And I used to say this about Jonathan Neese because he's a lefty. Just hold oh, out hope go. that at some point he's going to put it all together. No, I, I look, I say it all the time, but the thing that really, really crushed me about Steven Matz is that if you look at his track record over the last three years before this, he was a back of the rotation guy. I mean, that's what he was. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. He was a you know, low fours, high three ERA guy, maybe give you 160, 170 innings. He was a back of the rotation guy. And this year, wasn't even that this year he was batting practice so if he's he, he, this he then he's not a major league yes he was non-competitive okay. and that's that's unacceptable now let me get to lugo and i want to get to you on it phil because you had such a strong opinion about it you're set on lugo doing what next year put him back he was dominant in the bullpen late in games we've seen the issues his bullpen has had and he you know he wasn't like overwhelmingly good in the rotation he was like average. He was maybe a little bit above average. Put him back in his dominant role, and then let's go from there. I, you I, agree with that, Ron? I agree, and I think last year or before the season, we had that same question: what to do with Lugo? And I was—I said that basically what we know what he was in the bullpen. We knew what he might be in the rotation. Stick with what you know. We knew he has a track record that he could be a potentially dominant late inning reliever. That's what this team needs or need it and probably still does need. And that's where he's going to best uh, excel. So let's put the player in the best position to succeed. So I, I actually disagree with you guys. Um, and I'll lay it out. Don't you agree? I, I'm going to put you on trial. That's how I'm going to do it. Don't you agree? If I'm telling you Seth Lugo can be a 200 inning, low three ERA starting pitcher, would you agree that is more valuable than a the closer he was in 2019? I'll use that as an example. We'll use the template of what he was out of the bullpen in 2019, which was very good. No question. Wasn't perfect, but he was very good. Do you prefer that versus what I just described? What is more valuable to you, Ryan? More well, it's a it's a double question here. What's more valuable, just general, is what you said a starting pitcher. But I truly don't believe ben, Seth Lugo could achieve those numbers. Fair enough. But if you, but if you that, tell me he can be, or he will be, is a better word, he will be that, then I'd probably keep him in the rotation. But I truly believe he won't be that. Okay. But the problem is, we don't know that because the sample size that we were given in 2020, especially with the odd transition, doesn't tell us he can't be that. Now, I thought we saw some dominant starts from Seth Lugo. The game against Tampa Bay pitched into the seventh inning, allowed one run. He had a few early dominant starts, but it was only three or four innings because they were taking him out. I thought we saw signs, the guy that could be that starting pitcher I described. I'm not saying he is. I don't know. The first to tell you, I don't know what he is as a starter. Neither of us do. I still believe that there's more value in being a starting pitcher than there is a reliever. If you disagree with that, then well, I'll never convince you. Well, if you are now a believer in 2021 that a reliever is more important, then make him a reliever. I can't convince you. But if you agree, then why wouldn't you want to find out what kind of starter he is? Well, here's a big question I think that's going to that, that will answer this, and we don't. none of us know this yet, is now, we talked about earlier, Stevie Cohen pumping in analytics departments, all this stuff. What philosophy of the Mets going to have? Are the Mets going to be more like the Rays or, or the Dodgers where they're going to be using all these short inning guys and shortening the game where, yeah, he might be a starter, but he's only going to go three, four innings. You can't do that 
in a 162-game season without the designated hitter. It doesn't work. Yeah, well, Sorry. Like, I don't care what are we, are we you are tell you. Are we 100% sure the DH is gone? Uh, not 100% sure, but I would say right now the working plan is that there is not going to be a designated hitter in the National League. I think that's the attitude we have to have in this podcast. I think it's the attitude you have to have during the offseason right. because for there to be a DH, the players and owners would have to agree to it, and they can't agree on what color the sky is. I mean, they yeah. can't agree All on right. what time it is. So yeah, there's no DH in the National League. You can't do what we just talked about with uh, right. shortening the game. So, yeah, if there's no DH, then then my what I just said is pointless. And here's the other thing. If you, again, look at what's out there in free agency, okay, Trevor Bauer is a very appealing arm. The rest of the starting pitching arms are very, you know, Cole Hamels, Jeff Samarja, even Marcus Stroman, Masahiro Tanaka, James Paxton. It's it's not it's not a great list. And there are Charlie some really Martin, good relievers out Martin. there. Charlie Morton is fine. No, no, and I should, for, I should remember him. He's now one of the – Chris Archer is now available too. We could throw him in there. There are some good relievers out there, though. Brad Hand is now out there. Alex Colome is out there. Liam Hendricks is out there. And they have arms in their bullpen now that are going to be back. I mean, Dylan Batantis is going to be back. Brad Brock is going to be back. We talked about Justin Wilson. I just stand by the fact that I need to find out what kind of starter he is. If he fails as a starter, you guys are right. Move him back to the bullpen. I got to know what kind of starter he is, and that's why I'd lean towards keeping him. And like we said earlier, they don't have a lot of starting pitching. Point. We forgot about Edwin Diaz. Edwin Diaz. Never yeah. mentioned Edwin Diaz. <laughs> he had a good year this year. Are yeah. we going to say he's, that or no? Back. Oh my god! Oh, all the nerds on Twitter yeah. are going to tell me about his uh, his K's per nine, which is great, and everything else, and how he had a great year and all that. Fine, he had a better year than he did prior. But my eye test still tells me year. that I'm shaking like a leaf every time I watch this guy pitch. I the, the problem with Edwin Diaz, I call this the Jesse Orozco test, all right? This is the game we play. Can you imagine Edwin Diaz being on the mound when the Mets win the World Series? Getting that oh, big no, strikeout. <laughs> answer is hell no. That's the answer. I still got hell some faith no. in him. I still got some faith in him. We're going to let him ride a little bit. All right. Uh, Again, and uh, just to repeat something we said earlier for the sake of what we're about to discuss, we have to assume there's no DH in the National League, okay? Uh, could there be a DH in the National League in 2021? I mean, it's possible. I wouldn't bet on it. So with that said, knowing there is no DH in the National League, what do you want to do with Dom Smith? Do you want to trade him? Do you want to make him your first baseman? Do you want to make him the left fielder? How do you handle Dom Smith fantasy Phil kick it off? I want to keep Dom Smith under the no DH scenario. That's extremely difficult. You have to be me personally. Ideally, I would love Jeff McNeil to play left field. Pete play for uh, Dominic Smith play first base and Pete Alonzo be our DH that we hopefully get one day. That's, that's what I would love because, you know, Robinson Cano has to play second base. Got nothing else to do with him, so McNeil has to play left field. That's fine. Whatever. But in this scenario where we have no DH, it becomes increasingly, increasingly difficult to keep Dom Smith, who I really want to keep. So, I mean, at that point, you got to just weigh your option. Can you stomach his defense in left field? Which I don't think is – it's not Daniel Murphy defense in left field, but you're also not going to confuse him for, like, you know, a gold glove left fielder. So – I, it, all things equal, I'd like to keep him. Unless you're, you know, 
trading him for, let's say, Francisco Lendor, then then we can talk. Well, I, I think that that's going to be an option. And I'm not saying Dom Smith for Francisco Lindor, but I think one of the effects of this offseason, and we have to keep our eyes open about this, I think significant players will be traded. I think guys who make a lot of money will be traded. Um, there are a few that just jump out. Like I, I think that the owner of the Colorado Rockies saying to season ticket holders the other day, this is going to be an offseason such as you've never seen before. I almost think they're going to trade Nolan Arenado. I'd almost be surprised if they don't. I mean, he's got this mega long-term contract, but he also has an opt-out. So if you're the Rockies, no matter which way he goes, you'd want to trade him. If he opts out, you're going to want to trade him because he's a free agent. You're probably not going to re-sign him. And if he opts in, he signed until 2027, making $30 million a year. And as tremendous as Nolan Arenado is, the owner is saying, basically, we have no money. Isn't he just telling the world, I'm going to trade Nolan Arenado? So as we sit here right now, I would almost be surprised if Nolan Arenado's a Rocky on opening day. I think they're going to trade him. So this has to be a part of something that's on our mind. That's another thing that this beautiful new owner could take advantage of. It's not just the free agents. I know we started with that, talking about the big three, but it's these other really good baseball players that are going to be available. So that's the thing when it comes to Adam Smith and even Pete Alonzo, everybody's got a price. You're not getting Nolan Arenado for a bag of balls. You're going to have to give up players. And so that's where you start talking. Now, would you trade Pete Alonso or is Pete Alonso completely off limits because of what he did for us two years ago? And I'm not saying because he's coming off a mediocre year, just well, teams are going to ask for Pete Alonso. You know, teams are going to, the Mets are talking about trading for whomever, whether it's Arenado or it's Chris Bryan or it's Francisco Lindor, you name the guy, you're going to ask about a lot of guys. Would you trade, is Alonso available in a trade, Ryan? No, I'm not moving Alonso and, just to get my two cents in there with Dom Smith, I'm not moving him either. I think these guys are young, controllable hitters. Uh, you don't just move them. I think guys we're talking about because of the, all the reasons you said, Evan, with the market and the financial strap the some of these owners are going to be in, I don't think you're going to have to give up those guys. I think you'd be able to get them in other ways just by absorbing money. Um, so and where does everybody play? Well, no, well, there's going to be, well, listen, <laughs> if you know me, there's going to be moves. There's going to be moves, but I don't think you have to give up those two specifically. I think a JD okay. Davis, okay. a Nimmo, a Jimenez, like these guys, Rosario, these guys are cheap, controllable assets that other teams would be interested in that you could package with some prospects that could get some of those players you're talking about. I don't think we need to go into the major league talent as far as Dom and Pete to get those guys. Okay. So I'm not moving either one. Had to choose. You had to choose between the two of them. Who would you choose? I'm not Pete Dom. Alonso or Dom Smith. Long term. Probably you had to choose. I, I had to choose probably crazy. Alonso. I think Alonso's ceiling um, is but, higher. I understand the averages would not be as high, but I think his overall package as a player is higher than than Dom Smith. Is that you agree with that, Phil? Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with that. Pete was coming. I think I heard you mention it on there the other day. Like you can't expect Pete to do what he did a couple years ago, hit 270, 50 home runs, 120 RBIs, but he's also not like a 220 hitter. So if he fell somewhere in between there, like hitting around 250, hitting 35, 40 home runs a year, driving in 95, 100, 110 runs a year, that's uh, and his defense was is not awful. Dom plays really good defense. Pete 
plays, you know, acceptable defense. So I, I, I'd have to agree and say of the two, I'd, I'd pick Pete. Yeah, I, I think that there's a because of what Pete did in 2019 and because of how just perfect he's been as far as what he says you know, and how he acts just comes across like somebody that you love. There's an emotional attachment to him, but I'm also gaining an emotional attachment to Tom Smith. I mean, the guy had a monster season this year and he's better defensively. And I get your point. I don't think Pete's as bad as maybe he's described, but I do think Dom is significantly better defensively at first base. I think we have to accept Robbie Cano is going to be here because I would never want to trade him just for the sake of moving his contract. And if look, if Robbie doesn't perform, he doesn't play. But one thing that Luis Rojas showed last year, and we haven't really talked about the manager, I'm kind of under the assumption he'll be back. But one of the things I liked about him is that Rojas dropped guys in the lineup. He sat guys. So if Robbie Cano hits 225 in the middle of June next year, I think he's going to bench him. I really do. I, I think he showed enough of that during this 2020 season. I know it was a bad season. It wasn't a great year for Rojas. I mean, to miss the playoffs is embarrassing, but I think one of my biggest takeaways from him as a manager is that it doesn't matter what your resume is or how much money you make. He's going to make the decisions based on who's performing. So for that reason, you know, Cano had a good year. Robbie Cano should be the second baseman going into 2021. I'm not anti-Robbie Cano. Do you guys agree with that? I agree. Robbie Cano had a great year last year somehow, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. He's going to be on the team. He's going to be in the lineup and he's going to have to, he's going to ultimately have to play himself out of the lineup. That's how it's going to go. Yeah. And by the way, with Dom Smith, here's the way I look at it. Dom is the left fielder. Okay. Michael Conforto is the right fielder. Brandon Nimmo is the center fielder. If they make changes, like they bring in George Springer, let's just say Springer is a guy they add, you know, Brandon Nimmo's a super utility guy. I, I know he's probably better than that, but I'm not giving him away. I'm not just going to trade him away for nothing. I mean, maybe there's a deal out there where you can get something back for Nimmo, whether it is a young starting pitcher or reliever or what have you. But Dom, sh Dom would almost have to be the left fielder. And then you improve defense late in the game, which probably includes Dom going to first base and Pete Alonso sitting. Let's be honest. I don't necessarily think it's Dom coming out of the game. I think Jeff McNeil's the third baseman. And I think J.D. Davis kind of feels like the odd man out. This is all good, though, because it means they have depth. I remember we talked about that kind of previewing the 2020 season, and that was with Yoannis being in the mix, too, and there being a DH. That is a good thing. It's not a big deal if the Mets are going to go into spring training and we're going to say, wow, who's the odd man out? Well, okay, the odd man out is J.D. Davis, but guys don't play every day anymore, and guys are going to get hurt. So I, I do think there is a possibility of a trade, a big trade. Kind of hinted at that. But right now, Dom Smith is the left fielder. Jeff McNeil's the third baseman. J.D. Davis and potentially Brandon Nimmo feel like the guy's coming off the bench. Would you agree with that uh, philosophy on it? Phil, I'll start with you. Uh, yeah, uh, you brought him up, and I'll touch on him quick because you probably, you know, not too many people are interested in Brandon Nimmo. Uh, for some reason, he's always been a guy that people tend to love or hate for whatever reason. But I'm one who thinks that, like, if he has to be part of a deal to get a much better player, fine, I'm all for it. But someone like him who his defensive center field is lacking to, to be nice. Uh, but offensively, he's a, he is a very good offensive player. He routinely has an OPS 800, 850 plus. But that's not just like growing on trees, falling off trees that, you know, that you can just get and replace very easily. And I feel like winning teams have players like Brandon Nimmo on them in some capacity, whether it be 
in that fourth outfielder role that you talk about. Super utility, everyday player, whatever it may be. Good teams have players like that. And I'd, you know, if I could, I'd love to keep him. Um, that's just my two cents on Brandon Nimmo. So I'd like to see him here, but if he has to be part of a bigger deal, that's fine. But I'd like to keep him. Yeah, I'm along, I'm along the same lines. Uh, Nimmo is a perfect guy to have in the fourth outfield spot. Uh, spell guys, big at pinch hit at bats. You know he's going to give you a good at bat, draw a walk, work the pitcher. Um, it's like Phil hit around the head that winning teams tend to have these guys, these little pesky guys to come off the bench and put good at bats together late in the game. Uh, so yeah, I would, I, I wouldn't sit here and, and moan if they trade them, depending on who they traded them for. Um, but if we had our option, I would keep them around in some capacity. It is infuriating to think about all this talent they have and actually realize they missed the playoffs this year. I mean, how the hell did they miss the playoffs this year? And I, I know it may not have turned in anything. And I know it's the pitching. That's the answer. Pitching, 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 pitching. That's why Trevor Bauer is so damn important because, A, without even making a big deal, without adding a free agent, have a good lineup. So even if they just said Tomas Nito is the catcher. Let's just say, all right, Tomas Nito is the catcher. It's a good lineup. A lineup with a lot of depth. It's just crazy that they missed the playoffs in 2020 uh but whatever you know it is what it is what it is don't forget about their uh hitting and uh hitting with runners in scoring position also which was horrific i think they were like how how do you rationalize that though wasn't that just i can't Uh, i mean how do you yeah i don't know i feel like i feel like i the bad base running it feels that way. <laughs> Pete Alonso. I mean, Pete Alonso came up with yeah, guys yeah, who scored a million times. They do have to clean up the bad base running. I mean, the fundamentals mm-hmm. were awful. Defensively, it's not a great defensive team, you know, and, and not much is going to change that unless you bring in better defensive players. I mean, a lot of the guys we described, you know, Dom Smith's not really a left fielder. G.D. Davis played well at third base. Jeff McNeil's okay wherever you stick him, but he's not great. Nimmo's more of a corner outfielder. Robbie Cano is showing his age. Shortstop, I mean, the reason I haven't said much about shortstop, I do think they're going to trade for Francisco Lindor. Like, I really do think that that's what they're going to do. Um, if, if they don't, I guess it's just a competition. I think that's how you'd have to handle it. Like, if they don't make a trade for a shortstop, I think Jimenez and Rosario go into spring training, and it's, I don't know if it's a straight platoon or if it's just who who plays better. And I think that's the way you could view shortstop. And obviously things could change. Cano could get hurt. He probably will. That could create more at-bats for Jimenez at second base, things like that. But assuming guys are healthy, I think that, and they don't make any more kinds of deals, I think you're just looking at a Rosario-Jimenez competition for shortstop. That's the way I would view the position. Yeah, I mean, if it comes to that, I don't think that's going to be the case. Like you, I think I'm, uh, I have it in my gut that, you know, almost like when they trade for Johan, that it's, going to be so much talked about that it's actually going to happen um so i think it's gonna you know we'll get there you know why he and let's go right to that here's why it's going to happen i i I'll lay it out for you indians are going to trade him i mean let's just start with that like he's a free agent at the end of this season the cleveland indians didn't want to pay brad hand 10 million dollars because they're cheap or they just don't have the money however you want to define it i know we're in a global pandemic there is no way they're going to keep Francisco Lindor. And I think they realize you've got to trade him during the offseason. To wait till July, you eliminate half the market. 
You do, because if teams aren't in a playoff race, they're not going to trade for Lindor, and you're only renting him for a few months. I think they also look at the Dodgers and say, hey, teams are going to say to themselves, boy, we should trade for Lindor, because look what the Dodgers did. They traded for Mookie, they signed Mookie, and they won the World Series. So starts with, I think the Indians are going to trade him. Then you go to step two. All right, well, who's going to trade for him? Mets have a lot of talent. They may not have the deepest farm system in the world, but they've got prospects in their system. They do have a lot of peeling, cheap, controllable position players that could help a win-now team, which the Indians still are. That's the thing about them. They're, they like to make trades and still try to win. So to them, getting back a Dom Smith or a Jeff McNeil or an Ahmed Rosario, or on, those guys are going to play right away. There's no messing around. And then I think that Mets are going to try to take advantage of this kind of offseason that we have. Well, I I think they're going to trade for Lindor. Here's this question. Before we get to the package, if Arenado's available, who would you rather trade for? Nolan Arenado or Francisco Lindor? Lindor. Lindor. Fantasy Lindor. Phil, go Lindor. ahead. Lindor, yeah. You're both I, saying I mean, Lindor. Why are you both saying, why Lindor? Because you didn't even think. Why, Phil? Uh, he, I just think he has that like electricity that that you're looking for that we haven't seen since you know Jose Reyes in his prime. I think Francisco Lindor has that and more. So yeah, I, I just think he brings a lot more to the table. I mean, Nolan Arenado is fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but I just think Lindor brings a lot more to the table. He's what 26 years old. I think he's still got a lot. Of, he's still got a lot left in his you know in his legs. He's I I. Just think he's a lot more of an electrifying player, and that's that's who I'm. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I mean, I would echo that a little bit. I think Lindor's a a better, you know, better player. I think and that's not a, a knock on Arnado. I think he's a fantastic player, but I think uh, Lindor stacks up, you know, position wise, switch hitter, um, a little bit younger, and where I'm going, even though it's not a big factor for us, he's not. He doesn't have that long term deal yet. Where Arenado does now, is he going to live up to that cap? We don't know. You know, the Mets could decide, hey, if after trading for Lindor, and they could put a price tag on Lindor. They could figure out what they're comfortable playing with. I think Arenado, you acquire what another team valued him at. And that includes Coors Field and all those other factors. And so I don't know if that's, you know, where the Mets would value him at, or he'd play at that level as a Met. I think with Lindor, you get him, you get to dictate the price tag on him. So I think long-term, uh, Lindor would be a better fit. I it, It's close. So you guys were easy on Lindor. One of the positives about Lindor you guys talked about is he's three years younger. So you are talking about a guy who will be 27 next year versus a guy who's going to be 30 next year. Number two, Coors Field scares me. And... I think DJ LeMahieu, for some reason, has kind of calmed people down. I know when I brought this up to Beningo, it calmed him down, saying, oh, well, look at DJ LeMahieu. That doesn't mean that we should just forget about anyone who's leaving Coors Field and just say, well, they'll all be fine. Um, But here's the other part of it. I think that statistically, if you care about that stuff, Nolan Arenado has been a better player. I mean, he's basically 41-25 every year. Again, I know Coors Field is a factor. Uh, number two. I wonder I wonder if because there are so many good shortstops hitting free agency next year that instead of just trading for Lindor, you're going to have the option to possibly sign Corey Seager, possibly sign Carlos Correa, 
possibly sign Trevor Story. Such a good field of shortstops. At I know I want the guy a year ahead of time because again, that's what the Dodgers were able to do, and you want to win now. But that that that's a ridiculous amount of top level shortstops that are available next year, and you could just wait and sign one of them. I mean, essentially, or you could trade for another one of them because I don't think it's nuts to think the Astros may trade Carlos Correa or the Rockies may trade Trevor Story. I think those are all absolutely on the table. Now, maybe with the Rockies, you trade for Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado, and that would be, you know, <laughs> that would be fine, but probably lean towards Lindor. I do love the idea of making some kind of big deal, but the price tag is going to be. I think it's going to be high, despite the fact that I think there are going to be teams just looking to get rid of guys that are making a lot of money. I think a team like the Cleveland Indians, are they're going to try to bring back guys that can help them right now. So of the guys on this major league roster, who is off limits in a Lindor trade? And who are you? Okay, I'd include him in a Lindor trade. I'll start with uh, you, Ryan. Go ahead. All right. So I made I had in my mind we were trading for Lindor. So I came up with a package that I think would get it done. Oh. So you get a shortstop back, you don't need one. So Rosario is going right back. I don't know. What does he have? Two, three years maybe of control left. Still a young guy. Had some success uh, success in the major league level. So I think Cleveland would say, hey, give us him back. We'll plug him right in. He can step in right away and, and play shortstop on opening day. Um the next guy with the major league roster would be J.D. Davis. Um, then being an AL team, he could play some third base, some outfield, DH. They just released uh, Carlos Santana. So there's going to have some some room for him. He, he could hit the major league level. Defensively, they'd have to see where he, he would fit. Um, and then I would go, then prospects, and two out of the top ten prospects that you guys would know, Brett Beatty and Vientos, I would, I would give up. And then you'd probably need to add a fifth prospect, someone lower, um, not in the top 10, maybe in the top 30, maybe even outside the top 30, just as a little uh, cherry on top. But I think that it, it would be a competitive offer. And like Evan had said before, who who else is trained for him? What, what are the other suitors? And so, you know, without knowing who they are, you know, I don't know if someone could do better than that. You're getting two young, controllable major league players currently that had both had success at some level in the major league and two top 10 prospects. Uh, in my eyes, that's a very doable, reasonable offer. Uh, from the Mets that I, I think would be considered. Would you would you include Dom? Because I think if I'm the Indians, I'm asking for Dom Smith. I'm going to want a first baseman. Uh, we know he can defend. He certainly can hit based on the year he had. Uh, it's a need for them, too, just looking at their roster. Would uh, you include him in that deal? I, I, I wouldn't. I, I don't. I mean, I don't. Deal breaker. I, I, I don't think we'd have to. I, re- I really okay. don't. I think there's, I mean, if you, have, you tell me now, I'd rather give up another top 15 20 prospect rather than dom you know whoever whoever that may be uh uh over dom because i think if you are going to trade dom it would you better maximize what another deal for a starting pitcher or whatever i don't think you would need to put them all all your eggs in one basket to get this one specific player now you tell me we're getting you? carrasco with lindor now maybe oh that's a, yeah now or shane bieber no i don't know <laughs> you're really bad <laughs> No, I'm I'm kind of in lockstep with Ryan on this one too. Um, we listen. We all know who like the excess players at the at the major league level are: the JD Davises, the Ahmed Rosarios, the Brandon Nimmo's, all those guys. So I kind I agree with him on that. That guys that I think would be have to be part of the deal are Rosario and JD Davis. And I also agree with him in the fact that I just don't think 
like it, it'll be a pricey deal pricey in the sense that you're gonna have to give up some quality prospects that you have but i don't think it it would be too pricey from the from the major league level and i don't think that dominic smith would have to be included in that in addition to the two or three pretty good prospects that you're giving up as well um just simply for the fact that, like, what leverage does Cleveland have? They can ask for Dom Smith all they want, but what leverage do they have? Everybody knows they're going to move him. Everyone knows they're not going to sign him. So they, they, they have no leverage. I, I, I wonder if there would be teams who look at Lindor as a rental and say, we want him because, you know, for one year it's not a crazy amount of money. He's an elite-level player, and we're trying to we're trying to chase a championship. Like, that would be... The thinking in the deal, like the Philadelphia Phillies, who also have the money to pay him too, but that's where I think the market competition could come from teams that view Lindor as a guy that they would rent for one season to try to win a world championship. Uh, but we are now in a position where we don't worry about trading for him and then signing him. You know, if this was a different era, we'd say, boy, we're renting Francisco Lindor. And now the thought is we're not. We're just trading for him and we're going to give him a boatload of money. The thing I wrestle with, and I mentioned this earlier, is the appeal of giving up nothing and just waiting for free agency. The negative to that is, well, you want to do it now because you run two risks by not doing it. Risk number one is he gets traded somewhere else and signs there, as we saw with Mookie. Because if if Mookie was never traded, I don't know how you'd feel. That would be my priority. It'd be over Lindor. It'd be over everybody. It would mm-hmm. be, just give me Mookie bets. Let's call it a day. And it backfired because the Dodgers went out and traded for him. Good for them. And they signed him, which actually surprised me because I thought, well, who's just going to wait for free agency? Why would he sign now? Um, so you do risk by not trading for a guy like this. Hey, he gets traded somewhere else. And they just lock him up. You want to win now. That's the other thing. You're trying to win a world championship now. And waiting until 2022 is just delaying, you know, making your team a better team. Uh, I think the package Ryan offered, I would do. Um from from the major league roster standpoint, it's basically nothing. I mean, no offense to Ahmed Rosario, and I like J.D. Davis, but J.D. Davis may run into himself where he can't play because of what we went through with the roster alignment. And, you know, Brett Batty's a big-time prospect, but you're getting Francisco Lindor. It's easy to rationalize making a deal like that. I do think Lindor, though, is going to be going to be their target. Is there any other, and Ryan, you're good at this, any other trade options? I remember we were talking on the cheap last year at this time. We were talking about all these, you know, cheap guys we could bring in uh who else do you have on your radar for this offseason i i think the names we mentioned lindor arnado um i haven't really you know i've been fixated on lindor to be honest wow with you. I, no cheaping so, out this year there no they, even any cheap but, but, but I mean, listen we're sure they're gonna be we can't like phil said earlier we don't shop in that aisle anymore we gotta <laughs> we gotta think big and i think and you hit it on the head before i don't on top of the owner and the money we have now. I think we keep talking about the Mets major league young controllable depth position players. I think that's more I think we have to put more stock into that where other teams are gonna need to move players and that's what they're gonna be looking for in return. And so I think for the first time in a long time we're in position to fill that need to then bring back the one, you know, big player that we we covered. I have one for you if you if you want. Yes, of course. So but this team, this team, I think is you know very run very well. I I happen to like watching them the few times that we do get to watch them. The Oakland A's, Billy Billy Bean, I think is no longer there. He won't be there anymore, right? I think they're going to have to pay some guys pretty soon here. Marcus Simeon's a free agent this year who had a fantastic year for them. 
Matt Chapman's going to be a free agent in the next year or two, and they have Matt Olson, who's also going to be need to get paid pretty soon. The guy that I would check in on there is Ramon Laureano playing center field. That's a guy that I would, you know, I like that. Kick some like tires, because... kick some tires around. You, you know, they don't spend too much money there. I don't know what their philosophy going forward is now with Billy Bean leaving. I can't imagine it's you know too different, but they're gonna have to pay these guys. Either they're not gonna pay them. Are they gonna not pay those three guys? And pay Ramon uh, Ramon Laureano instead? I, I would think not. So I, I would be knocking on doors over there to see what can get done. I love the idea of this elite-level defensive center fielder. And Laureano, from what I've watched, kind of fits that. Kevin Kiermeyer, who I think you mentioned last year, certainly fits that. And you never know with Tampa Bay. I, I mentioned this on the air the other day. I would expect them to shop Blake Snell. really do. And it's not just because they don't value starting pitchers, but... Look when they traded Chris Archer, and they they made that right decision, by the way, in doing so. Here's Blake Snell. He's in the prime of his career. He probably has a ton of value. He, he signed to an affordable deal. So even the teams that aren't willing to spend a lot of money look at Blake Snell's contract and say, whoa, okay, not bad. And the Rays could look at it as a chance to do what they did with the Chris Archer trade, where they turned it into Tyler Glass now in Austin Meadows. Um, I saw somebody on Twitter suggest Pete Alonzo for Blake Snell. Um, Pete being a Tampa Bay guy. Who who suggested that? Because it was actually an interesting idea. I don't remember who it was, but I did see that. You saw it on Twitter too. It was some it was I the who would say who would say no? It was the it was their question. Who would say no? Tampa yeah. or the Mets? I don't remember who it was. Well, whoever whoever tweeted that idea, if you're listening now, it was, it was a very interesting idea. It was creative. But I forget about Alonzo and the Mets. I do think the Rays are gonna shop Blake Snell. I just fully expect it just based on their their track record. By the way, would you do that, uh, Pete Alonzo for Blake Snell? No. Or no? I wouldn't. But I did come up with another name. You're thinking. Well, go ahead. Cattell Marte. Speaking of the center fielder, Phil piqued my interest a little bit. And he has the athleticism to play other positions as well. Would be someone, I'm not sure. He does. Very, very Contract strong. status uh, and Arizona's status. But they seem to always be in the mix of moving guys uh, around. So he would be someone just thinking on top of my head now that I think would be, if they don't sign Springer, would be someone that could step in and play center field. I'm going to throw uh, a bunch of free agents at you, and you tell me, yeah, I'd be interested, or no way. No, thank you. You ready? <clears throat> Masahiro Tanaka. No, thanks. I would be interested. I would be interested. I would need to know more, but I would be interested. He, you know what happens? All these years, you he's been on Tommy John. Here he comes. Yeah. All these years, <laughs> I'm not getting surgery. Gone. First year with the Mets, here it comes. <laughs> I would pass on Tanaka. I think he's there are certain guys that fit the Yankees but don't fit the Mets, and certain guys that fit the Mets but don't fit the Yankees. If I'm the Yankees, I'd bring him back. If I'm the Mets, I wouldn't I wouldn't go down there. Wait, wait, James who, Paxton, who, who, though, while we're talking who, about who are those guys who fit the Mets but don't fit the Yankees? I want to know who those guys are. are the guys that just uh, suck are those who they are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you just hit it right on the head. The guys that suck over the last year. Jake Marisnik fits the Mets. And yeah, there you go. James Paxton, would you t- try to get a flyer on him? I'd be intrigued I by would. him on a one-year yes, deal. I would, yeah. I'd be, yeah, I, I'd be interested. Uh, Chris Archer. Yes. You'll, you'll see a trend of my yeses here. If you're going down the list, I think you're going down. But yes. I'm, my just, naming is, uh, starting, I'm just naming starting pitchers that are free agents. I mean, yep. that's the list. <laughs> Go ahead. Though Chris Archer did have thoracic outlet syndrome, okay, which mm-hmm. is very familiar to all of us. Uh, Robbie Ray. Would you have no. interest in Robbie Ray? No. No? I don't need a guy okay. walking six guys a game. Uh, 
Corey Kluber. Yes. Did you try to fix Corey Kluber? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cole Hamels. No. No. Charlie Morton. Hell yeah, yes. right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, we love Charlie Morton. Uh, Justin Turner. No. He's a free no, agent. No. Did you want to bring Big Red home? Uh, no. No, that, that won't work. We, we missed the boat. D.D. Gregorius. No. Uh, no, I'd rather go with what we got if we're not going to trade for Lindor. Uh, let, me, let me ask you this one, okay? Because I think there's a section of Met fans that view Steve Cohen as a guy who's going to come in here and declare war on the New York Yankees. Would you declare war and go after DJ LeMahieu? Yes. Yeah. I, I have him on my list. He would be playing third base for me. So you would sign him, you know, stick it to the Yankees in a big way. He's the third baseman, and then what? Like Jeff McNeil's in the outfield. Jeff yeah, McNeil's Jeff in the playing left base. field, and Lindor at shortstop. In that in that scenario, I would then be fine with trading Dom Smith, putting Jeff Jeff McNeil in left field, and then you know having Lindor play shortstop. Then um, I'd be I'd be good with that. So here's where I'm mixed about this. Maybe I'm maybe I'm having too simplistic of approach here. DJ's great, and he's proven that he's no longer the guy we thought he was two years ago. I think he's proven that with the what he's done over the last year and a half. Just look at the roster, and I see what the Mets have. I hate just going out and signing guys and saying, ah, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll put this guy here, that guy there. They have a third baseman, or they could have a third baseman. They have a second baseman. They have options. I mean, they've got two options at third base that are both pretty, pretty good. Actually, three options at third base. I would say they have three options. They have Jeff McNeil, they have J.D. Davis, and you could even say Andres Jimenez is an option at third base. And it feels as if it's, it's almost overkill. To sign him. It doesn't mean DJ isn't better than those guys. I think he is, but, but I think it just feels as if it's too Yeah, much. If, if the roster stays the same, it is, but I don't think, like I said before, I don't think, I think we're getting Lindor or another big name. If it's not Arenado, I think J.D. Davis is probably, like you said before, the odd man out. So there's going to be room. And what I think, what for me personally with DJ and where I think Major League Baseball is as a whole right now is versatility. He could play multiple positions and play them well. And I think where the Mets lack as good as depth they have is their guys can't play multiple positions well. They're average to slightly above average at their primary position. And then they move and they they're, they slack a little bit. You know, they're rating at whatever, like McNeil. He's an average third baseman. He's an average left fielder. J.D. Davis is probably a below average defensive third baseman. But now you you move those guys and you move DJ and now you have an above average guy at multiple positions. So... Going back to the basically the first question I asked about six hours ago, I said rank the top three free agents. If I included DJ and made them the top four free agents, DJ be number one. Would you put him above no, George Springer? I, I wouldn't. And Trevor I, Bauer and JT. I would. I would. I would put him probably number three. I would put him behind Bauer in well, front of Riamuto. Um But okay. yeah, but Springer still my my guy. Would you guys, and you know, we, we've talked a little bit about catcher, basically that we're scared of JT Realmuto. I think James McCann would be a really good second option. A lot of the other catching options, I mean, Sandy Leone, Yadier Molina, Austin Romine, eh, doesn't really do it for me. Would you guys be okay if they made, like, let's say a Lindor trade? And let's say they made the Lindor trade and signed George Springer. Would you be okay with Tomas Nito getting the shot to be the catcher next year? Yeah, because I think Alvarez isn't that far far away, right? 
I think they their top prospects are catcher or their number two prospects are catcher and prospect. So depending on where and how long they think he is from, and if he's as good as people are saying he's supposed to be, and he's close, then there's no need to lock yourself in and give Nito a shot. Bring in another veteran defensive type catcher uh, to spell with him and pair with him, and then you know if he's hitting eighth in your lineup, so be it. Anything else? We covered this entire offseason so far. Anything else that I did not get to? I, I just have one starting pitcher I would add to your list that you didn't that I yes. would be interested in. Jake or or Izzy? How do you say that? Jake Odorizzi. Yeah. I, would, I would be very – I mean, I think he had a little hiccup this year, but typical fits like we talked about before with Porcello. He's in and up, veteran guy. Um, so he would definitely be someone if I could get him on a one-year, maybe a two-year deal I'd be interested in. Oh, you're gonna say Jake Arrieta for a second? No, <laughs> no, no. I was like, nah, I'm all right with that. That crazy I think, man. Uh, well, should, fellas, we, uh, say, yes. should, should we say goodbye to uh, Brody? This is probably the last time we're gonna be recording before while he's still. <laughs> we haven't even. Holy shit! We, we haven't even mentioned Brody's name. It's like so he's so yeah. irrelevant but, right now. It's like yeah, it's yes. Awesome. But, I mean, but uh, doesn't it make you feel good that all these trades we're talking about, and obviously the Mets are gonna be talking about that and hundred hundreds of more. Doesn't it make you feel good that you're gonna have somebody Sandy there, kind of overseeing it yep. to say, hold on, that doesn't make sense. Hey. Let's backpack. You know, let's backtrack a little bit. Look, I, Sandy Alderson is one of those guys where it took me longer to appreciate him. And I think Omar Minaya was the same way. Sometimes we judge general managers right away. And who knows? We may say the same thing about Brody two years from now if the few drafts he's had with this team really end up looking great. Um, I think Sandy is a reasonable, smart baseball man. I think the idea that Met fans are criticizing him because they didn't spend a lot when he was the GM is asinine. I mean, they didn't spend a lot because Jeff Wilpon and Fred Wilpon own the team. If Steve Cohen is saying, here's a giant, enormous checkbook featuring my beautiful money, I doubt Sandy's going to be like, nah, we're good. I'll, uh, let's not spend that. So I'm happy Sandy's back. I also think Sandy's going to be hands-off. I think Sandy's the guy that secured him the votes. I think he's the quote-unquote adult in the room, and I think he's going to hire people underneath him. I don't think he's going to be you know, necessarily the day-to-day -day guy. I do think Luis Rojas is going to be back. I don't have a problem with that. It was very tough to judge this 60-game season. It was a disastrous season. I think we all agree, but look, A.J. Hinch is already gone. I mean, if you were going to tell me, hey, they're going to hire A.J. Hinch, I'd say, all right, goodbye, Luis Rojas, or even Alex Cora. Both of those guys are... They're not going to be the Met manager. Hinch has already taken a job. Core is probably going back to Boston. So it's fine to bring Luis Rojas back. But And this is a different world we're living in. You're living in the Stevie Cohen world. I know nothing's happened yet. Nothing has happened yet. I like this world. I want to live in this world. <laughs> so, Phil, Brian, the next time we do a Mets podcast, we'll probably to talk about how we traded for Nolan Arenado, Francisco Lindor, signed DJ LeMayu, signed Trevor Bauer, and somehow traded for Shane Bieber. And it's going to be one hell of a podcast. So thank you for joining me, Fantasy Phil, Ryan McGee, also known as Adam Eaton. Uh, they're in my Mets text chat. And thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.